Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you so much for tuning in to Stand Up For The Truth. I've been blessed to hear from so many of you last week and a lot of people listening from out of state. We even had someone from Hawaii contact me uh, Friday or over the weekend. Thank you guys for letting us know you're listening online at Q90FM.com. We've got a remnant uh, from across the country. We are trying to rally and uh, we just appreciate you, your prayers. A lot of spiritual warfare comes our way when we want to speak the truth about the things of God to proclaim Jesus as Lord, to share the gospel, and to confront evil and expose evil in our culture and point to the truth. You will be hit by the enemy. But if we are prayed up and if we have support from other believers praying for us, uh, it makes a huge difference. So thank you, thank you. And let's open in prayer. Exciting topic today and, and guest. Lord, Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for waking us up today. Your mercies are new every morning. We proclaim your faithfulness. Your loving kindness is everlasting, and we rely on that love. That's what saved us, Lord Jesus, going to the cross, dying for our sins, paying our penalty. And all we need to do is believe because he was raised from the dead. And after three days... That's where we have the victory. It's not the death on the cross, but his resurrection from the grave that gives us the victory. And we thank you for that, O God. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you so much for loving us, for loving us first when we were still yet sinners. And Lord, we lift up this hour to you. We pray, Lord, that you would challenge people, encourage people, give them hope, touch their hearts. Whoever's listening right now by mistake or by design, Actually, there are no mistakes in the kingdom of God. No coincidences, Lord. You have this all planned out because um, you work, you orchestrate so many things all together. We can't even imagine all the things you're doing at the same time. But, Father, we trust you in all things. And we lift up this hour to you. We pray you'd give every person exactly what they need in this moment. Make your presence known to them, to us, in Jesus' name. Amen. Our guest today is Jay Seeger. We can't wait to get to him. Um, we are going to talk about the nuts and bolts about what is going on with this election coming up a day from tomorrow, a week from tomorrow. And so many things to consider when you talk about policies, procedures, party platforms, things that could be implemented, things that have been done in the last three years. We need to talk about that instead of believing or buying into the lies, the deception, and the media talking points. So before we get to Jay Seeger, we uh, want to play a quick clip from Pastor Gary Hamrick. You heard a little bit of this on Friday from his uh, phenomenal sermon, Wake Up America. See, if it were solely based on personality, okay, but it's not. And this is what everybody needs to hear. Now, it would be wonderful if you had both righteous policies and procedures, and a righteous personality. If you had both of those, wouldn't that be wonderful? That's called the Millennial Kingdom and Jesus. Wait for it. It's coming. That's what it's called. But in the meantime, in the meantime, When there is a choice between policies and procedures and personalities, I'm going to choose policies and procedures every single time. Every single time. Because that is what will affect the daily life in a society. A nation will rise and fall on the policies of a king, not the personalities of a king. So look around you at the culture. Look around at the issues of our day and ask yourself which policies and procedures as put forth by the two main parties in America will accomplish God's purposes of government cultivating the good and punishing the evil. We have to look at all these different issues that we're surrounded by, and there's a lot. We have to ask ourselves, 
If there is no perfect kingdom until the millennial kingdom and Jesus is reigning, then how can we do our best to look at policies and procedures separated from personality contests and recognize what policies and procedures best come closest to most represent our convictions with a biblical worldview in order for government to advance the good and to punish the evil. That was Pastor Gary Hamrick. It's a phenomenal sermon. We have linked it up in our podcast the last couple days at StandUpForTheTruth.com. It's called Church in America, Wake Up. And right now, we're going to wake you up by bringing in our guest. We're thankful to have back with us Jay Siegert, author, international speaker. He is the managing director of The Starting Point Project. Jay, welcome back to Stand Up For The Truth. Hey, it's always great to be on the program, and uh, this topic is certainly not insignificant. Yes, I know. We've been talking about this. We've been emailing back and forth. And typically, Jay, your strength, obviously, is apologetics and always being ready to give an answer to those who ask for the reason that the hope that we have, to give a defense of the gospel and of the truth. That's your strength. That's the starting point is the gospel and the inerrancy of Scripture. And as it says in Second uh, Timothy three sixteen seventeen, 17, all Scripture is inspired by God and profitable. And we talk about that a lot. But today, once we have that biblical worldview, it affects our choices. It affects our behavior. It affects how we vote. And in America, we are blessed with the honor and privilege and responsibility as Christians to elect our leaders. So, Jay, your thoughts just to open up maybe on what Pastor Gary just shared about policies and procedures. Well, I, I guess at first I have to say that I I did. I watched his whole sermon, very, very awesome. powerful, and mm-hmm. I I probably couldn't agree with him more than I do. <laughs> um, and But it's, it's a touchy issue even within the church. I've talked to already a number of Christians who get very upset whenever the topic even comes up, and you, you try to explain to them, like you said, the policies and procedures are going to matter a lot more than the personality. And for me personally, people complain about Trump's tweets all the time. <laughs> I, I don't tweet. I don't have a Twitter account. At some point, I'll probably get one because I'm supposed to do more social media outreach. <laughs> but I don't really hear these quotes and things from him, and they don't affect my life at all. But the decisions he's making with policies yes. will definitely have an effect on what I do and what I can do with the ministry. And so I'm very in tune with those types of decisions that are being made. And I'd rather have a someone who others consider a goof for this or that. And I'm not even just talking about Trump, but at any time, any president, I'd rather have them knock his personality once in a while, but say he's making great decisions than to have just the nicest guy and polished, but just making terrible decisions, and I think that's what somewhat we had with Obama. I mean, he came across pretty slick. He seemed very likable, kind of charismatic, but then behind the scenes, he's just doing all these things that we would totally disagree with, so which would you rather have? Yes, exactly, and to go back to that eight-year administration, they did a lot of damage from uh, national defense and our, our relations with the world to the transgender issues, the LGBT issues, promoting those. He, of course, the Rainbow White House, who can forget that? And he was all about implementing some of these things in pu- public education, which is a very important topic. We've touched on it quite a bit on this podcast, but we're, and we're going to get to that with you, Jay. But I want to go back to the importance of talking with people about these things, and it's astounding that people get upset. Oh, Christians shouldn't talk about politics. It is astounding. It's disappointing because of the lie, the big lie of the separation of church and state. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, interesting quote from Dr. Ben Carson from his book, One Vote. He said that the separation of church and state does not mean that you must remove your faith from the public life and for your voting decisions. Freedom of religion means that you are free to speak about and live according to your faith without threats from the government. Mm-hmm. And I mean, at, at the basis of everything is our worldview, our, our starting point, what we believe to begin with. And in fact, just quick side note with the, the phrase starting point, 
the idea here is that everyone starts somewhere with their beliefs. It's, it's impossible not to start somewhere. And those starting beliefs are things that we assume are true to begin with. We, we assume we, assume we exist. We, as Christians, we assume that uh, God exists. We assume that the Bible is God's word. And with that foundation, we use those beliefs, those presuppositions to then define everything else what um, ethics are, philosophy, morality, even science and logic, what all those things are, are defined by our starting point. And so politics is one of those things. Your decisions in politics really needs and must be driven by your worldview. So when a Christian says we shouldn't be involved or shouldn't be talking about it or whatever, that's, that's uh, I I was going to say it shocks me. It doesn't shock me. It it disturbs me, though, because how can you not have opinions on all these areas that are driven by your worldview? In fact, if if you're not motivated to vote and get involved, that means that you're really not that in tune with your own worldview, which is not a good thing. Yes, and and we have completely forgotten what it means to be salt and light in our culture, in society and the church has not done a good job of that. Jay, you said something about philosophies of this world. Uh, Colossians 2.8 says, See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the tradition of man, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. Um, well, there's a lot of deception out there. Uh, we can thank the media for that. We can thank public education. We can thank the university system. We can thank you know corporations and those advertisers on television and on and on and on, and government to some extent. But what do you think about every Christian has a worldview, I hope. What do you think about, quote, undecided voters at this point? I can't imagine a Christian being undecided, but I think there are, and that is astounding. What are your thoughts about the undecided voter? Well, it, there's probably a, a couple angles. One is a lot of people just don't feel suited to discuss politics. They're not up on what's really going on. They don't know the names of the people or who believes what, and they're they're embarrassed by that. And I, I can relate to that because when I was younger, I absolutely hated history hmm. and I didn't know much about politics just wasn't my thing and I got through life okay you know junior high high school even into college and probably even shortly after college uh, I it did improve but it just wasn't as big of a deal for me even though it should have been so I I probably somewhat avoided you know if you're in a circle and everyone's bringing up all these specific policies and things I didn't want to uh, chime in because i I didn't know what I was talking about, and I didn't want anyone to call me out. So I think some Christians will say they're undecided kind of as a shield, like, you know, don't expect me to say a whole lot because I'm still thinking through it. But I think other Christians say that because they really don't know. They And they probably, and again, I don't want to use too broad of a brush here, but it's very likely that they don't have the best understanding of the Christian worldview to begin with Amen. to know what they should think. Because as I travel around and talk on different topics, just one off the top of my head, dinosaurs, many Christians don't only not know what to think about dinosaurs, they don't know what they're supposed to think as a Christian. <laughs> and so it's awkward for them to discuss that. And I think with politics, a lot of Christians don't know what they're supposed to think because they don't really know enough of Scripture. I think if if you know enough Scripture, someone can bring up a brand new political issue to you, and you would instantly have an opinion because you know what Scripture says. But exactly. But don't know what Scripture says, then you're like, oh, I don't know. I'll have to get back to you. Exactly. When I hear these, um, I guess, forums or whatever, they have these people, the undecided voters gather together and they play the presidential debate or whatever, and they ask people about them. What did you think when Biden said this? What did you think when Trump said that? And I'm thinking, man, we're, we're uh, getting close to this election here. And if you are undecided at this point, um, you might as well say uninformed, because if you're trying to grab a few talking points now, well, you said something very important, Jay. You said um, you don't follow President Trump's tweets or, or hear them, but you know the policies that he has implemented over the past three, three and a half years. I look at it as at his policies, and I'll say I'll go on record right now and say that I voted last week. I proudly 
went in and I just I, – I can't say – so many people are like, oh, I don't want to tell people who I voted for. I don't want to get political. I'm saying, well, if you don't want to get political, then I'm sorry. You're going to have to divorce somehow your faith from your politics, and I don't think that's possible. But um, his policies, I was going to talk about that. What a blessing it is to vote, and I voted last week to support President Trump's policies. I voted for America first, life, religious freedom, family, law and order, Israel, common sense, the Constitution, um, truth over moral relativism, and national defense, and on and on and on, protecting our borders, the economy. But, Jay, you said something very important. You don't even pay attention to the tweets. But unfortunately, this ridiculous thing, Twitter, is impacting people's views of the president and impacting how they vote. And that's what's shocking to me, that they don't look at the three and a half years of one of the, the most pro-life president in our lifetime. And if you looked at just his policies and didn't know who it was, you would swear up and down that this president is most likely a Christian. Your thoughts? Yeah, again, we we need to see what's being implemented in the policies and uh, the, the tweets it, it drives me crazy hearing people complain about the tweets because I'm thinking if it bothers you so much, why, why even pay attention? But if I had a neighbor who was swearing all the time, I just probably wouldn't hang around him as much. Um, so I, it's very easy for me to not be caught up in all that. Plus, I mean, what we're seeing through Twitter and through Facebook and maybe even YouTube and definitely Google a lot of censoring, and I did computer programming for 18 years, and it's not hard mm. for Google to go in and set up their search engine. So if you type in Biden, all these wonderful stories come up. You type in Trump, and all the terrible stuff comes up first. Yes. And, I mean, there's so much to that, and Twitter shutting people's accounts down, if you dare even mention Hunter Biden and things like that. I mean, this is getting Orwellian. Yes. And, and it really is scary not in like, oh, I'm so worried because God is in control and he'll provide what we need. But this is not just some interesting movie that came out a while ago. We're actually seeing these things happen right in front of us, but we're running around complaining, oh, can you believe that he tweeted this and he tweeted that? It's like, wait a minute, let's let's look at some of the bigger issues. If we can make some headway on these really huge, massive issues about the censorship and about pro-life and, and all these other things, then we can get back to these these tweets here. But if we can't make any ground on pro-life and all that, then I don't care about the tweets. <laughs> exactly. And that's what's amazing. We have made incredible progress. In fact, today, one of President Trump's Supreme Court nominees is being confirmed from the latest report I've heard could be done by the end of this day, from what I understand. That is historic, a president having three Supreme Court nominations, and he has also appointed hundreds of federal judges, and he's po appointed conservatives more than, I think, any other president that I am aware of. Jay, how important is that issue of the Supreme Court of nominating judges and justices? Well, it would matter except for Trump tweets things that we don't <laughs> like, and so... <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, that's that just blows me away that people get so focused on, you know, again, the tweets. And then you say, but wait a minute, look at Supreme Court is huge because you you kind of have two options with the Supreme Court. You're either going to put someone in there who says, hey, bring whatever cases and I'll I'll take a look at the laws we have and see what we should do versus someone else says you bring the cases to me and I'll tell you what should be done. I'll tell you what I want to see happen in this country. Mm -hmm. And I will occasionally use the law to my benefit to make sure we get the outcome we want. And that those are the, obviously the activist judges. So it's absolutely amazing to see him get these conservative judges who they're not there. She's, you know, Amy Coney Barrett is not there to push her Catholicism. She is there to say, I'm a constitutionalist. I, I'm going to look at the Constitution and see what it says to make a judgment. Same thing as we should do with Christians. If I, I, Again, I had one atheist say to me, he was very upset. He goes, so I suppose you don't think that gays should get married. And I said, you know what? Who am I that the whole world should care what I think? But let me let me take a look at the Bible and see if there's anything in there that yeah. might comment on this particular question that you're interesting question you're you're raising. And so all we need to do as Christians is to point to what God's word says. If people get upset, 
it really shouldn't be with us. It would be with what God's word says, and at some point they will give an account for that. So, again, we shouldn't be pushing, pushing our philosophies because, again, who are we? We should be just pointing to the truths that are in God's word just like a, a constitutional judge would do, say, let me see what's already written in the books. <laughs> the truth. Push the truth. Promote the truth. We've got a quote I want to share with you when we come back after our break. By the way, Obama appointee to the Supreme Court Justice uh, Sotomayor uh, once was in an interview. Um, I think she was talking to graduates somewhere, and she said, you know, they say that the Supreme Court really doesn't legislate or make law, but that's just not how it is these days. So she was saying, yeah, that's what we do at the Supreme Court. No, that's not what you're, you do. You're supposed to make decisions based on the Constitution. We are with Starting Point Project Jay Seegert today. We're going to talk about some key issues at stake in this election when we come back on Stand Up For The Truth. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. Our guest today, Jay Seegert of the Starting Point Project. We're talking about Christians and politics. And our election one week from tomorrow, um, John Hus, it could be Jan Hus, J-A-N-H-U-S. I've heard it pronounced different ways. He was a reformer. Um, he was a key predecessor to um, Protestantism and uh, a big uh, figure in the Bohemian Reformation. But he lived in the 1300s in Czechoslovakia, I believe, and, and uh, he, was, he died in Germany. I want to read a quote from him. Uh, he said... Seek the truth, listen to the truth, teach the truth, love the truth, abide by the truth, and defend the truth unto death. And that's Jan Hus, or John Hus. Um, Very important that we have truth to stand on. We know as Christians the Bible is the inspired, perfect Word of God, and we can stand on its truth. Jay, we keep on coming back to this because... When we have that foundation, that forms our worldview. Our worldview shapes our behavior and our actions, including who we vote for. Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a direct, direct connection there. And again, I think it just always comes back to Scripture. Scripture is supposed to be the ultimate authority for us, but so often in many areas, and politics is just one of them, that too many Christians tend to go somewhere else for truth or mm-hmm. answers. Yes. Then they bring those back, that mindset, as they're looking at Scripture, to interpret it in a way that's consistent with they, what they think they just learned. That, that happens. I deal with that all the time with in, in science and the creation versus evolution, that you know, they'll hear, hear something from school, university, documentary, YouTube, whatever, and then they'll say, wow, I, I know that's true because that was a science thing. And then they go and they read Scripture. Scripture seems to be just the opposite. So they tell themselves, well, it, it can't actually mean what I'm reading here because I know this other thing that I've learned about the Big Bang or about uh, evolution or whatever. So they actually will reinterpret Scripture to be consistent with some other source of authority. And I think it works the same way with politics. People hear sound bites or something that sounds really good. And with the social justice, they've got a lot of phrases out there that sound good on the surface, uh, but they're not really when you peek under the hood. But they'll take those things as true. So then when they look at something in Scripture that seems to be pretty blatant about, you know, marriage is a man and a woman or whatever, and they're saying, well, but that was written a long time ago, and you know, <laughs> society changes, and so we need to change our views. And so I think that's where a lot of Christians go wrong, is by going somewhere else as an ultimate source of authority. Uh, Jay, there's so many important issues that we need to touch on today. And so let's jump right in here. Key issues at stake in this election and every election, meaning at the school board level, at the state and local level, and at the federal level, who we send to Washington state by state as far as senators and also the president. Um, but let's go to, we talk about life, abortion, marriage, sexuality, religious freedom, Israel, the importance of education. We need to get to that in a minute. But we, we talk about those from time to time on this podcast. One thing we have not really gone into is the environment and the Green New Deal. This, to some of us, is a head-scratcher because you're going, okay, you're, we're going to be spending I don't know how much money on this Green New Deal should Biden and Harris get elected. And what can you tell us about this? And it just seems like a radical environmental movement, and it just 
I don't know. It, it just doesn't seem like there, there's something that uh, we should be concerned about. Or there is something. Well, it, yeah, it definitely is radical. It's all driven by the environment. And I think if Biden truly ran on this platform of the Green New Deal and kind of flushed it out for people, he would not have a chance. Mm-hmm. So he's got his minions behind him, AOC and Sanders and others, who have you know are working on this, who push it, who believe in it. But Biden has to be more of a centrist and um that, that happens fairly often when you have someone with extreme liberal views they they often don't run on that extreme they have to come more towards the center to have a chance but then once they get elected then they just run 100 miles an hour right back to the extreme um, side of, of what we're hearing like with the green new deal and and it has a lot to do with playing on your emotions and getting you worried that if we don't do something about the environment right away I mean, we're going to lose our major cities on the coast by, you know, 2030. You know, the number of cities will be underwater, and and they go through all these details. Well, they have a terrible track record because they've been saying that for a long time. Supposedly, if by 2000 we didn't do anything, there would be entire nations wiped off the face of the earth because of the rising sea levels. I mean, it's just, and I've got quite a bit of that. For people who want to hear more, I've got two um live stream broadcasts that I did that are archived on our website. Again, the website is thestartingpointproject.com. If you look at the broadcast archive and you go to March and April, I did two sessions on climate change and lots of graphs and and numbers and details, but it shows you their terrible track record. So with the Green New Deal, they just, they convince us the world is dying. We're the cause of it. And we need to do something right away. We need to get rid of coal and natural gas and oil and all this and go to 100% renewable, which that would be great. I mean, seriously, if we could just go to solar and wind, um, that would be wonderful. But it's not possible, and it would be (laughs) extremely expensive along the way. Yes. And those pushing it don't care because if they can convince us things are that bad, then they can raise our taxes and use all those trillions of dollars to not really accomplish a whole lot. But it does take money away from the powerful, so we have less and less control and less and less say in this country as they take over. The government takes over more and more facets of our life. So many of the policies on the left, uh, the Democrat platform, including this Green New Deal, uh, in order to pay for them, our taxes would necessarily have to skyrocket. In fact, President Obama once let something slip in an interview. He said to implement a certain uh, energy policy or environmental policy, he said energy prices would necessarily skyrocket. He actually said that. So prices that we pay for our energy would go up. So we would pay for this. Most people just don't connect these dots that some of these policies, the money has to come from somewhere. Jay, is this accurate to say, I see this quote, it says, climate change, where the weather is always your fault and the only solution is more communism. Yeah. It, it really is because I mean, if you think about it, it's it sounds funny, and they would never run on a you know being that blatant with it. But you know, they told us back in the seventies that there was a threat of a coming ice age. You know, we've gone through multiple ice ages. They've mm-hmm. said now, and another one's coming on, and we got to do something. Well, that didn't work well for them. So then they switched to to global warming. Mm-hmm. Well, that didn't work for them, so then they switched to climate change, which is so incredibly convenient because if there's any change whatsoever in any direction, they will instantly label it as being bad, and then they will instantly come along and say, we have caused it, and we need to do something drastic right now to save humanity on this planet. And it always comes with a huge, huge, huge price tag, well, the poor certainly can't contribute towards that, so there, whatever we do for them has to be free, and that's got to come out of other people's pockets. And it's they just throw trillions and trillions of dollars around like it's nothing, mm-hmm. and the general public has no clue of where is this really going to come from. Well, it ultimately comes from us, and when you you look at the science behind it, it's 
it's bad. I won't go through it all right now, but to, to convert to wind and solar is not feasible because we're already close to about the maximum we can do with wind and solar because of, of the laws of physics and things like that. But it sounds good when they pitch it. Oh, we could have, have these nice windmills. And there's, there's a lot of detail behind that. What it even costs to make one of these large windmills and all the non-renewable sources they have to use to make it and all yes. the earth they have to disturb to bring up the iron ore and on and on and on and on. It does not line up, but you never hear about those things. Yeah, so for the Christian who believes the Bible, starting with Genesis, with creation, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Jeremiah 32, 17 says he did it by his great power and outstretched arm. It says nothing is impossible for him. So with that as our foundation, how important is it to recognize that God is sovereign over the weather and over the climate, and this deception is to make it man's fault, and we have to do something about it? Right. They they really have taken us away from any kind of a biblical authority, and that, and that was happening big time in the 1700s and 1800s where the scientists were trying to get away from Scripture. In fact, Charles Lyell a guy who Darwin relied on quite a bit, um, skipping a lot of those details, but he wrote <laughs> three volume, three volume principles of geology, and his goal in writing those books was to quote, free the science from Moses, meaning get away from scripture and what wow. it says about creation and about the worldwide flood. We need to get away from that. We need to just use natural things that we see happening around us, the wind and rain and all that to explain the existence and the formation of our planet here. And that's what we're doing today too with all of this. We are getting away from Scripture that God created all this. He created it in an amazing way that we can withstand changes in temperature and changes in the environment and creatures that can can adapt through pre-existing programmed information in their DNA. It's an amazing creation. That doesn't mean that we don't need to be good stewards. And if we want to recycle plastics, I think that's a good idea. And if it's not too costly, we should be doing it more and more. So we want to be good stewards, but we don't want to go into panic mode saying, wow, we're destroying the earth and it's going to all go by the wayside. No, God's got a plan. He knew how long it was going to be here. He knew how many people were going to be on this planet. He knew when Jesus Christ, Christ is going to return, and he's got the whole thing planned out perfectly, so it's not like we're going to ruin his plans and destroy the planet before uh, his timing was going to come about. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, so much more that we could say about that, but I want to move on because we're already halfway through the podcast, and Jay, you, you sent me some of your suggestions on bullet points to discuss. Now, as I mentioned before on this podcast, we talk a lot about the fight for life the issue of life in the womb and the value of every human life from life in the womb to the elderly and uh, marriage, sexuality, religious freedom, which we will get to God willing. But one thing we really haven't covered a lot is Israel. And we haven't heard a whole lot about the amazing progress the Trump administration has made in these two or maybe three now, these recent peace deals, which he's even been nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize. You don't hear that in the media. And also that he, the fact that every president or so many presidents promised to move the U.S. embassy to Jerusalem, Trump was the one that followed up and actually did it. So your thoughts on Israel and the importance of that, because I'm looking at Genesis 12:3. It says, and I will bless those who bless you, meaning Israel, and the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. How important is Israel, Jay Siegert? Well, that's that's huge. I was going to quote that verse myself. Ah, um, you to it. And uh, <laughs> it's it's a huge thing. Um, <clears throat> most Americans probably don't think about it a whole lot, and even Christians think, well, that's that's a Jewish thing. Well, it, it is a Jewish thing, but it's also <laughs> a biblical thing. And if it weren't for Jewish history, Christianity would have no history. That's right. And so it's huge that. Um, I mean, Obama did a lot of damage with our relationship with Israel, and it was yes. very clear, and he seemed to be very pro-Islamic, uh, yep. uh, and it's a whole, whole other topic. But here we have someone who comes along and is extremely supportive of Israel and gets you know, the embassy moved to Jerusalem and, and all these pacts that he's signing. Some, some Christians say, oh, is that the, the seven-year treaty? And it's like, no, no, we're, we're not in the tribulation yet of the seven-year treaty. Um, these are, are good things that are going on. So 
but it's just shocking how it's not in the news. It should be on the cover of magazines and in every news story. But because it's Trump, they're not going to say anything. Now, if Obama had done this and they oh deemed my. it as a good thing, there'd be no end of hearing about it, and he'd be he'd be venerated and just on and on. More Nobel Peace Prizes, and there'd be no end of it. Yeah. Um, so I think it's it's a huge thing. It's encouraging to me because we need an, an ally in Israel and even more than that, it's not really even so much a military thing. It's a biblical thing with Genesis twelve three. Yes, and isn't it interesting, in my limited opinion, but in my worldview, according to what I read in Scripture and how we see the world and where we're at, looking at Bible prophecy, considering all these things, voting in an election, one of the most important things we can consider is America's relationship with Israel. But how seldom do we even hear that brought up as a campaign talking point or in a debate or in, in the media, anything else? But as a Christian, shouldn't that be one of the most important things? It should be up there. And again, it's <laughs> it's like crickets chirping. Typically, it's not on their radar. They haven't thought of that one. But um, And I know we'll get to it, but just a comment about abortion that I was just thinking this Actually, even just yesterday, and it blew me away, that when you think about abortion, every time we have an election cycle, that it's a big issue. Pro-life and abortion, Roe Ro v. Wade and all that comes up. We talk about it. We have verses. We have statistics. We talk about the different platforms and on and on and on. And when the election is over... It goes back on the shelf, and yes. most Christians do nothing mm-hmm. in that area. They they still think life is important, but they're not these pro-life advocates and seeing what they can personally do to make a difference. It just kind of goes away, but boy, do they get riled up then when the election comes. And so I think we're sometimes being a little disingenuous when we say it's a big issue at election time, but then don't follow through. Yes. Amen to that. Thank you. We need to be people of actions and words, not just speaking about it, but our actions as well. We've got a minute and a half. We've got to take a break, Jay, before we open up that topic. And I want to go there when we come back from our break, because it is demonic, the act of child sacrifice It is demonic. It goes back to Molech in the Old Testament, sacrificing their babies to this god, Molech. And it is actually brutal. I believe it's a demonic part of the Democrat Party platform. I'll openly say that, because what do you think it is? If it's life in the womb, which we know it is, then it's evil. I want to quote Ephesians 5 before we go to break. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them, for you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So walk as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. And verse 11, do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead expose them. How? Do we confront evil and stand up against evil and expose darkness? We're going to talk about the issue of abortion with Jay Seeger of the Starting Point Project when we come back on Stand Up For The Truth. Keep it right here. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. What we're talking about is confronting evil and talking about uh, how do we expose deeds of darkness and should Christians talk about what is evil? Of course, we need to raise awareness. We need to share the gospel. When you shine the light of Christ, it exposes evil. So I've got another clip here from the um, uh, sermon, which is phenomenal. Church in America, Wake Up by Pastor Gary Hamrick. And uh, it's just a minute clip. But before we get back to Jay Seeger with the Starting Point Project, and uh, we're going to talk about uh, abortion and life in the womb and some, quote, scientific um, aspects of what happens in a mother's womb. By the way, we haven't mentioned this in a while. Remember uh, the Christmas story, Luke uh, chapter 1? It might have been chapter 2. I think it's chapter 1. Um, when uh, when Mary goes to visit Elizabeth and John the Baptist leaps in Elizabeth's womb and she goes, when as soon as my baby heard the sound of your voice, 
He leaped for joy in my womb. I just paraphrased that. But, oh, interesting. So they acknowledge it's a baby when a woman is pregnant. And he even had a, an emotion. He leaped. Let's uh, hear this clip from Pastor Gary, and we'll get back to Jay Seegert in a minute. Any time I sound angry, know this. I am not angry with you. Factually, I love you. And I love you enough to tell you the truth. But I am angry with the spiritual forces of evil that have hijacked the hearts and minds of people in an effort to try to capture the soul of America. And I am angry with demonic principalities and by extension demonic principles that have influenced millennials, Gen Xers, and Gen Zers with godless philosophies and the doctrines of men. I am angry with politicians who are either knowingly or unknowingly pawns of darkness instead of agents of light who are advancing a godless agenda that is destructive to our country. And thus I cannot be silent, I will not be silent, and neither should you. America needs to wake up, and it starts with the church of Jesus Christ. Amen. America needs to wake up, and it starts with the church of Jesus Christ. Jay Siegert, he alluded to uh, Ephesians six twelve. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Well, we're seeing that being played out in the natural realm, in our politics, and what is endorsed. Your thoughts about the issue of life or about what? Pastor Gary just shared. Well, it's it's huge. It should be arguably maybe at the top of the list. Um, yeah, Proverbs six seventeen says, "The hands that shed innocent blood will, will their life will be shed." And God is the one who creates life, and He's the one, uh, only one that can can take it. Uh, other than He's instituted in capital punishment. Um, it's another topic, but this this is a huge issue, and it gets so distorted and it all has to do with what what life is i mean we've made huge efforts in our the history of our country to assign and attribute personhood to blacks historically yes. because that's one of the things that drove slavery they weren't really seen in human and even hitler hitler had a list of how human different groups were and you know at the, he was going to build the aryan yeah. race this perfect human race and you know at the top he had you know the germans and then he would go down the list and they got less and less human until he finally got down to the jews and then the blacks who were almost 100 percent ape and so you didn't want those reproducing you could just get rid of them just slaughter them and that's what he did and a lot of people allowed that because they were convinced that yeah they're not really human so that's what happened with blacks as well in our history, uh, you know, have them as slaves because, hey, they're, they're not really even human in the way that we are. And so we had to change that. We had to make sure people knew that they're just as much human as anyone else. They have the same rights as anyone else. But then what about the, what we would call the unborn? I call them the unborn because if, if you say, well, it's just a fetus or it's just, a, you know, an embryo or a zygote or whatever, people say, well, it's not human. No, it is human. Those are different names for different stages that humans go through. So I call it the unborn, mm-hmm. and the unborn goes through stages of that zygote, that initial cell that is fertilized, and it has all the information it needs, its DNA, to develop the the human being all the way through all those stages. So... All scientists pretty much know today and doctors know life starts at conception. It just goes through different developmental stages along the way. And so it needs to be protected all along the way. But a lot of them, I'm, I don't know, maybe not a lot, but some still argue that, uh, yeah, but uh, they, they want to fight for a, a woman's right to choose or what what is known as, quote, reproductive freedom. Well, if you're aborting your baby, you're not producing, you're not reproducing, you're not being fruitful and multiplying. If you're a Christian, as it says in the Bible, we God created us male and female. He said, be fruitful and multiply. You can't obey that. You can't have a family, especially Anyway, I'm getting off into another topic here, but back to this evil. This uh, You even put it in your notes, and I believe uh, Gar- Pastor Gary said it. I think it's a demonic platform. It's evil. You called it intrinsic evil because at the root, you're destroying life that's created by God. Right. You know, if we talk about taxes or trade tariffs, 
those things we can have different opinions on. Maybe some policies aren't as good as they could be or whatever. That's fine. But with abortion, it's just it's an intrinsic evil in and of itself. It is evil. You can't say, well, it's it might be good. It might not be because in these situations and in those situations. No, it is just in and of itself. It is intrinsically evil. It's against biblical policies. God created this universe. He owns it. He is the one who gets to set the rules. And he said <clears throat> that it is wrong to, to take a life. And when I, when I hear that phrase, well, a woman has a right to choose, I tell people, I said, you know what, you you just made an incomplete sentence. Yes. To, to choose what? Uh-huh. what? What is it you're focusing on? What does she have the right to choose? Well, she, okay, she has a right to choose you know, if she wants to have an abortion or not. Okay, then we need to discuss what is an abortion. And when you take the time to go through it, an abortion is the ceasing of life. There is something that is living, and you're choosing to terminate that. So are you telling me a woman has a right to terminate life? And that gets kind of tough because if they say yes, okay, what if she has a two-year-old and she just doesn't have enough money to support it, it's crying all the time, and she can't work full-time, and can she terminate that? Well, no, because that's a human being. Oh, well, so you don't think it's a woman should have the right to terminate the life of a human being? Well, no. Okay, well, then let's go back, and then you start going through the details of this zygote, which is a human being in an earlier stage. And so all these arguments that they have against abortion, there's a counter to each one of them. Yes, there is. Um, and very important from that biblical worldview that we stand for life. Jay, uh, we've got about six minutes left, and I'll, I'll just let you choose what, out of these bullet points of important key issues that are at stake in any election, what would you like to discuss next? Boy. All I, I know, huh? <laughs> I know. Yeah, well, I mean, a big one is is the whole <clears throat> issue of like marriage and the family and that that relates to sexuality and you know gay marriage and transgenderism to me it's not just someone's choice of a lifestyle it is destroying the family which mm-hmm. is god's foundational structure for christianity yes you you cannot really be carrying out christianity when anything goes and it's just been the slow erosion of okay you go into gay marriage well a man can marry man well can a man marry two men can a man marry three men and one eight-year-old girl can he marry three men an eight-year-old girl and an apple pie um where is the line and what is the basis because some people would say, well, yeah, a man can marry a man, but he can't marry an eight-year-old girl. Why not? Exactly. Who are you to say that he can't? What if he wants to, and what if this eight-year-old girl adores this guy, and he's doing whatever he wants, but she gets free ice cream out of it. She gets to go to the park and on roller coasters, and she's okay. It's just where is that line, and what is that based on? It's either based on solid uh, ultimate principles that we see in scripture or just just keeps moving and then who is anyone at any point in time to say that something can't be done and something else i'll just throw out there again the way my mind works i think very logically and the other day i'll throw this out there and i'm looking for someone to push back to find a holes in it because if it's got holes in it i won't use this argument <laughs> and i also would say i don't use this argument to change a skeptic's mind i use it more to equip christians but if some guy said to me he identifies as a woman I would ask him, what is a woman? Because if he tries to describe it in any way at all, he's belying his own philosophy. You can't say a woman as well. She's got longer hair. She's feminine or this or that. And they're all against that. So he can't really identify what a woman is. But if he can't describe what a woman is, how does he know he identifies as one? Ah. And if he's saying he identifies as one, he's saying, I'm not a woman, but I identify as one. And I want you to pretend I am one, but I can't tell you what a woman is. (laughs) (laughs) I followed that. I think that's awesome. Oh my goodness! Just we've gotten so far away from logic and, and and critical thinking. By the way, you've got your question of the month. I don't know if it was this month or last month, Jay, on your website. I want to point people to that. A link to the question of the month: What is critical thinking? Because along with the biblical worldview, we've got to be able to reason. We've got to be able to follow logical um, arguments and have these debates discussing these ideas. But if you if we can't think critically, if we can't answer the most basic of questions. Uh, we're in a lot of trouble as Christians, aren't we? We are, and the only way really to do critical thinking is to understand Scripture, because how do you have an opinion on something if you don't know, again, what you're supposed to believe? And so hmm. the more we study Scripture, the more we see what God's 
you know, idea is for his creation, what ultimately he wants. Once you know that, then when something comes your way, you have a way to judge it, whether this is a good thing or not. Or sometimes it's kind of seems great. You need to look into it a little bit further, but you first need to know what the truth is. Just like, you know, the people who work with money, they study the the real deal so well when a counterfeit comes along, they've never seen this counterfeit before. That's okay. They just know it's not identical to the original, the authentic one. Um, I believe uh, you hit it right on the head when you said family and, and its importance under God and marriage. God created marriage. Jesus also, the, you know, the definition of marriage in Mark, I think it's chapter uh, 12, don't quote me on that, but uh, Jesus actually defined marriage as between one man and one woman. So if you've got the Old Testament, God doing it, you got Jesus, who is God, and the New Testament doing it, that's our authority. And what God has declared moral, man cannot make immoral, and vice versa. What God has declared immoral, meaning the same sex, man cannot make moral, even regardless of a law, regardless of a Supreme Court decision. Uh, it's it's huge. I mean, when Jesus was talking to the Pharisees, it's in Mark ten six, and then Matthew nineteen four. He said to them, it kind of condescendingly, like, "Haven't you read? Like, I <laughs> thought you were the guys who knew scriptures, but haven't you read that He who made them made them male and female from the beginning?" Jesus Christ is the Creator, and He's talking to these Pharisees, and Adam and Eve were created right from the very beginning, male and female, and then that is the basis for all of humanity and civilization, but we've turned everything upside down and we call evil good and good evil and woe to people who do. And so I think the family is hugely important. I think it's one of the biggest problems that we have with racism is because of all the inner city problems we're having. I think one of the biggest issues is the family has dissolved and you got all these kids that don't have a father around, don't even know who their father is. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's, it's tragic, but the reason it's tragic is because God says it's wrong. It's not wrong because, oh, it looks like it's not turning out well. No, just like homosexuality isn't bad because it leads to all these bad things. It leads to all these bad things because it's wrong. Yes, yes, we got we got to get the order right. Jay Seeger, Starting Point Project. We we had so many things down here, economy, national security, health care, immigration, Second Amendment, so many things that are important, friends. Focus on policies, procedures, and party platforms, not on a candidate's personality, because policies will be implemented that will affect us either way. Someone's legislation will be implemented in Washington, D.C., and we've got to vote biblical values. Jay, thank you for your input on this important topic, and have a great rest of the week. God bless you, brother. You too, and everyone go out and vote. Yes, go vote. Biblical values. When we come back, we'll let you know what's happening the rest of this week. Keep it right here. Stand up for the truth. A ministry of Lakeshore Communications Incorporated. Keep the discussion going on social media. Stand up WI on Facebook and Twitter. Now, we wrap up today's Stand Up for the Truth. Well, Friday, I'm jumping ahead real quick for a reason. Uh, Dr. Jake Jacobs has a brand new book out called Mob Rule. And uh, he's an expert on the biblical worldview, communism, socialism, Marxism, and Antifa. And he's done a lot of research on this. It's incredible. So he's got that new book out, and we'll be talking to Dr. Jake Jacobs on Friday. But in the next three days, tomorrow, Wednesday, and Thursday, we're going to take a break from our typical uh, topics we discuss, and we are going to do a fundraiser here for the next six months of ministry at Stand Up For The Truth on a radio station, Q90FM.com, that hosts this podcast. So we're going to you for prayer, and if you're able to give financially, we are, of course, nonprofit. It's tax deductible, and again, raising money for the next six months. And you can go to Q90FM.com. And you can pledge online, safe and secure, or you can mail it in, or you can call on the phone lines the next two, three days, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. It's what we call our Q Drive. It's our twice-a-year fundraiser. Thank you so much, guys. We appreciate you for listening, your support. God bless you. And as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.